thanks for coming back to another episode in this one we got my boy chad again he's always a good time in the studio and uh this time he's recently retired so we started talking about his lead up to retirement and kind of thought processes of continuing service not continuing service what sailors might be thinking about or going through getting out or retiring and then we jumped horses in that middle of the stream and started talking about some of our first experiences showing up to commands and uh, the opposite of the retirement right getting into the career starting the career and um, although this is pretty navy centric I think it applies uh, throughout life in starting and ending new journeys so take a listen hope you enjoy Welcome back, Chad. Ah, how you doing, Josh? Hey, uh, I like the beard. Yeah, thanks, man. How's retirement? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah? It's awesome. A lot of golf, a lot of skate parks with the kids. What's the way with, um, with the job? So right now, I'm waiting. Uh, I was hoping today would be the day, but maybe tomorrow. I should get my offer letter and uh, start work later this week. That quick? It was a lot quicker than I thought. Is it as quick as you want to? Like, I know we kind of talked about briefly when I was cruising by, like, did you want to get back to work this fast or is it just kind of like this fell in your lap? So you're taking it. Uh, don't want to be bored. Like definitely boredom is not an issue. Right. I got, I got <laughs> enough, enough golf, yeah, enough hobbies going on. That, nice. Uh, I definitely keep myself entertained. But originally my plan was to work up until the date of retirement, sell back my leave and then just roll right into the job. Right. Uh, that particular job didn't work out. Um, when I found that out, I talked to some mentors of mine who told me, you know, uh, you need to seriously consider taking that leave. So I did talk to the family about it. Uh, wife was on board, submitted for the leave. Everybody supported it. There was no issue, yeah. even with it being short notice. You know, hey, in three days, I want to start 48 or 50-something days of leave. I don't remember how many it was. Uh, accompanied with the uh, the TDY for house hunting, job Yeah, hunting. all that good stuff. Okay, so... So literally, I went on leave December 4th, is, was my first leave day. Get to the uh, 8th. So I've been on leave for less than a week, and I got a phone call from an old friend of ours. He used to work at Navar with us. He transferred recently. He says, hey, man, you're retiring. I said, yeah. He says, I got somebody that's looking for an ET that they asked me if I want to work, but I'm not retiring for a few years. So uh, can I give him your number? I said, yeah, Absolutely. So I gave him my number. Uh, dude asked me for a resume. So I sent him a resume. He said, yep, this looks good. You think you can do a phone interview uh, tomorrow? I was like, all right. Yeah, sure. I'm not prepared for it at all. I haven't done <laughs> right. an interview in I don't know how many years. Right. Um, last job I interviewed for was for the bowling alley in Covina. So, uh, you know, not, not terribly prepared for that, but, yeah, let's do it. So we did the phone interview. It was more like a conversation, mm-hmm. kind of like it seemed like a get-to-know-you type of thing. Uh, so we did that and uh, hung up. About 20 minutes later, he called me back and said, hey, let's schedule an a in-person interview on Monday. So, yes, sir, let's do it. So that weekend, I went out and bought some new clothes, you know, had to, had to look nice. <laughs> I was thinking about going in in my khakis, but that didn't really make sense. But uh, I already had a little bit of a beard going on, and I was like, do I shave this? Do I not? I got to get my hair cut. Got the hair cut. So, so like, is that, um, is that, like, a problem? How are you, like, dealing with it? Because people deal with retirement different, right? So 
I think you're mostly joking, but like you had to go buy new clothes. Yeah, yeah, for real. Because because you don't have. I mean, not that you don't have clothes. You don't have that type of clothes. You might not have exactly what you're looking for in the closet for that interview. Because you're trying to really get a job now. You're, you're absolutely right. And like I, ha- I have stuff in the closet, you know what I mean, that yeah. I could have wore. But, but at the same time, I'm thinking like, man, I got a best foot forward, man, I can wear yeah. this. Or I could just go buy myself a nice, I think I, it's the most expensive shirt I've ever owned. It's like a $110 freaking Ooh, okay, shirt. Chad. You know okay. I mean? like, uh, so I did this interview on that Monday, uh, that following Monday. So now I've been talking to this guy for a total of four days or five days or something. I do the interview and it's me against four people. And I say me against four people because that's exactly what it felt like walking in there, right? You feel like it's you against the world, and what do I got? I, I'm not even certain what I'm interviewing for. Yeah. You know what I mean? I researched their website. All, any kind of post that was online about that company, I was looking up, and I couldn't find anything that helped me better prepare myself for this right. interview. Uh, so I did what you're supposed to do, research the company a little bit, and... Uh, Got in the room, and at first it started off with me and that guy. Uh, talked to him for about five, ten minutes, but it was all candid. There was no, uh, we didn't discuss job roles or job right. titles or anything like that. It was just how you doing, you know, you're getting ready to retire. He just retired two years ago, you know. So he's asking me about the VA process, how that's going for me. Another guy walks in about ten minutes later, sits down, introduces himself. We shake hands. Oh, I'm sorry, we, like, ghost fist bumped. Right? Yeah, no touching. Right, right. Uh, so we did that. He introduces himself, uh, who he is, and he retired like 15 years ago or something, and he's been with this company for X number of years. Talks to me a little bit about the company and what he likes about it. Then the third person walks in. Now, this is the person that kind of just dropped some company knowledge on me, like, hey, this is what your job's going to be doing. It's a, it's a pretty wide range of, of responsibility, mm-hmm. but nothing defined to where I know what my title would be or what my role would be, right? And then he says, all right, there's one other person we want you to meet. Uh, she's going to be pretty much your direct supervisor. Uh, so she comes in and she starts talking more about the company. Each one of them hit me up with a bullet point on my resume, asked me to explain or expand on it a little bit. That was easy because it's your stuff. So I did that. And then we talked about company barbecues and like benefits and stuff like that at, so I'm sitting there thinking, man, I just nailed this interview. Like, they're not even grilling me. I was expecting, like, a qual board where I got to draw pictures of stuff and label everything. It wasn't like that at all. So I was in there for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Uh, and they say, okay, so I'm going to send you when we're done here. I'll send you an email of our benefits package, and we'll get you, uh, we'll get you set up. I'm hoping to have you start on the 4th of January. Because I told them, you know, hey, if, if I start, I want to wait till after the holidays. So then I go back home, and the, the salary has not been discussed at all, right? So I have no idea what I'm getting into. The actual job title, I can't even research that to find out what people in that field make, right? Because I don't know what the job title is. I asked the questions, you know, do you have any questions for us? Yes. So I said, okay, so you've, you've discussed the company a lot. What would my specific responsibilities be for this job? They explained everything was good, but there's no particular title that I could lock down, go home and Google, what does this person make in San Diego? You know what I mean? So this was, I was supposed to start the 4th of January, which was Monday, right? And uh, I've been trying to contact them, and I got emails back and forth. So as of right now, you still don't know how much you're making? 
Or as, as the 4th of January, you didn't. So the 4th of January, when I was supposed to start, yeah. I sent the, the guy a text message. And I said, hey, I'm supposed to start today, but... You know, I don't have an offer letter. Like I don't. I, yeah, yeah, there's a process when you're working, right. uh, contract or at least contractor, any kind of government, yes. any kind of DOD. They call it onboarding. Yeah, right, right, so right. For us, it's check-ins. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, I know because Nikki goes through it when yeah. she when she came out of her job to the next job. This the like you said, they make you an offer and you have to accept it, and there's a formality about it. It's not like burger king or somewhere where you're like yeah you're hired you start friday absolutely five o'clock shift yeah and then you show up and you're like oh i'm here right right okay right so uh keep in mind like over this this last couple of weeks or that i guess it would be like three weeks since i first started talking to him uh i've been getting phone calls from other companies hey can you send me your resume i heard you're retiring we want, we want to see if we can offer you something you know so i've been sending my my resume out i've been talking to other people and and i told uh tuesday so which was the 5th. I was supposed to start on the 4th, right? On the 5th, I sent him an email, and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm being ghosted or what. I felt like the interview went well. If you could just give me some feedback. You had me <laughs> scheduled, quote-unquote, yeah. to start on the 4th, and I, I haven't heard anything from you. Um, he calls me back within minutes, right? He's like, I'm so sorry that I didn't call you. We've been really busy. We've been doing some turnover here and starting a new project. And I really apologize. I, I, I understand if you've looked other places. And I said, well, I have. I said, but I'm still very interested in what you guys have to offer. So I gave him a range of what I wanted for a salary. Right. And uh, he said, you know, I, I regret that we're probably not going to be able to, to match the low end of your range, which the low end of my range was what I wanted to start off at. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like my minimum. Right. Not even my minimum. It was above my minimum. But I was always told start high, go low, right? Yeah. Turns out, uh, I'm thinking like, oh, crap, man. Like, he's going to be 20 grand lower, 30 grand. I have no idea, right? He says, uh, he says, just before I tell you this number, just know that I don't foresee you being at that range for very long. We'll move up quick. We we promote quick bonuses and raises and stuff like that. They're two thousand dollars a year less than what my asking was. Yeah, that's uh, do the math. That's not much. Not per at week all. or whatever per pay period. So he tells me this on the phone, <laughs> and I was like, I was trying not to jump out of my skin and be like, yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah. know, celebrating. Um, so I kept my cool. He says, uh, you know, we'll have you your offer on Tuesday. Monday or Tuesday, and then uh, you can make your decision if you want to come work with us. And and uh, if it comes to fruition tomorrow, I'll probably be starting work on Wednesday or Thursday. Nice. We'll see. Nice. We'll see. So, you know, you mentioned uh, another part when you were talking to the guy about, like, the VA stuff and, and being retired now. How was that process? Like, can you take us through some of the things you learned or – just some of the process. You don't have to go into deep detail, but just like, what's your experience with it? What would you pass on to the next person retiring or the next person getting out to be like, hey, th- these are things that you need to be thinking about or lining up? Because we all know medical-wise, everyone talks about it, but it rarely does anyone start executing early enough to take advantage of it. And uh, just like, what's your experience with that? You hit the nail on the head, executing early enough. As soon as you have an idea that you want to retire around a certain time frame, you start gearing your plan toward that execution date, whatever it is, right? Because there's so many things that they have available for us if you start early enough. And uh, the, the 
closer you get to that end date, a lot of those things kind of fall off and they're not available to you anymore. So, for example, like I, I retire on the 31st. That's when I'm done out of the Navy, DD-214. Um, I could have been collecting medical for the last six months. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I was... For the last six months? Yeah. Like you, your VA claim could have been submitted and done. processed and done? Yes. And then paying you? Right. Wow. Now, keep in mind, this is stuff that I've been told. I don't know anybody that's collected early, right? But this is stuff that I was told by VA reps all over San Diego. Um, right now in the in the climate that we live in with the COVID uh, stuff, it's very intimidating to, to get all your stuff done because you're not sitting down across the table from somebody uh, asking them the questions that you want to ask them. You're trying to call this person and then you got to call that person and then they're always with somebody else on the phone and you got to leave a message and hope that they get back to you. And then they get back to you, but you forget which person that is because you're at the store or picking up the kids or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so my biggest fear with all this was ensuring that my ex-wife was not going to end up uh, taking more than what she was entitled of my retirement. Okay. Right? So that was, uh, that was a very big deal for me because when you, when you look at your retirement, it's, it's definitely helpful, right? But it's not a big number right. for a 20-year chief. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a big number. It'll pay the rent. You know, yeah. mortgage, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Which is absolutely helpful. Um, but then you chop that up, you know what I mean? And and you give it to this person uh, on top of your child support, mm-hmm. right? on, on top of everything else, right? It's just a little bonus, you know? And uh, Next thing you got enough for, you know, gas. Yeah, and, and dude, some of these forms are scary because if you don't have them filed by a certain date, it defaults automatically. To some bullshit. Yes, to some number or percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it for some time. You got you to go back through the whole lengthy process to change it. So would you say whatever the system is, they make it hard? Uh, hmm. And they meaning just the system, right? Like the system to retire and to reap all the benefits of your service, or not even just retire, but to get out. Is, is it a more difficult process than what it should be for service members? So I will tell you this. Of all the guys that I've talked to that have retired in the last probably five years, right, there's been, there's been the nightmare stories and there's been the dream stories, right? You talk to certain guys that you and I both served with over here, right, that they said their retirement process was a breeze, they got everything they needed, all the help they needed, the people that would put their packages together and analyze their stuff and make sure they crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's. And then you got other people, uh, and it's just, it's my fate that I'm one of them, you know what I mean, that can't seem to get a hold of that person. Or they schedule me to go there, and I go there, and then they say, oh, we're not seeing anybody. Well, how come this person told me to be here at this time right. on this day? Well, they're not even in the office? Yeah. So should I expect a phone call? Yeah, they should be calling you. Okay. Well, so I'm do you sit here until they call me. Do you, do you think me. that is just like, again, last year? Or do you think that's like a, a normal... Did the last year's circumstances, and still even this, the COVID circumstances, do you make it worse, amplify it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, maybe you wouldn't have had those problems, but I mean, a lot of people are teleworking, and while they're teleworking, I'll be one of the first ones to tell you, like, you're not just sitting at your desk doing work. Because 
your kids are out of school or this is going on. So, so you're doing all kinds of things while you're teleworking and you're getting back to work after you've just finished breakfast and changing a diaper. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm telling you my experience. Yeah. Right? And, and I tried to preface this by saying that some people, it was a dream. It worked. Everything worked out for them. They got everything they needed. The fax numbers worked or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Fax numbers. Like, you, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. Like, for some people, it worked out great. For others, it didn't. And uh, I just happened to be one of those people that it's, it's taken some time. I had to extend for four months uh, in August. Right, and that had to yeah. do with COVID delays and medical appointments. You know, I couldn't get my optometry stuff taken care of. I couldn't get my hearing stuff. Now, some of that has to do with issues that I have, right? But if I had those appointments when they were originally scheduled before COVID shut things down, right, right, then maybe it would have gone right. And it, and it, like I said, it ended up working out for me with the medical stuff. They extended me for four months. I've got everything done. You know. uh, but but uh, the, the, like I said, the biggest scare is your your benefits after you retire. Like that retirement check, it's not very big. And when you're starting to chop off fifty percent, or in my case, thirty three percent, or just under that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every little bit, man. Every little bit. It's, it's a, yeah, like you said, every little bit starts working again. And I guess when, like you said, my bad. Uh, it's not much, especially when you start looking at the twenty years of service that you gave. Were you like right at 20, just a little bit over, not 22, yeah. nothing? 20 years, four months. Okay. So, oh yeah, because those four months was your like exact extension. Yes. So do, do, are you looking at like, I, I'm, I, I mean, I'm in it for the long run, obviously. And I do think it pans out eventually, right? I mean, you're what, 40, 40 years old? I'm 39. Thank you. I got some gray in the chin. I know. No, you don't, you know what? You don't have nearly as much gray in your chin as I do. (laughs) And I'm only fucking 35 right now, man. I'm dead serious. You live a rough life, dude. I do. Fucking, (laughs) oh my God. But, um, so when you look at that, I mean, you've gotten your first retirement check now? No, 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 no. No, not even yet. Well, because you said uh, you don't get it until January. yeah. Yeah. So you won't get your first one until... February, yeah. end of February, end of February, yeah, yeah, man, you gotta let me know what that looks like. Yeah, of course, like of course, fifteen bucks. But still, I haven't gotten the final word on on how it's going to get split up. You know, how much is going to go to that? Exactly, exactly. What about? So, are you looking at disability, a percentage? Yeah, what are you looking at for that? So I don't have my rating yet. I don't okay. have my rating yet, but uh, I, I'm fairly confident that I'm going to do all right in that department. Yeah. I, I probably will not get 100%. Um, what are some of the things you're like, um, like sleep apnea? Yeah, that's one. Uh, so the biggest thing with uh, with your medical is that you want to make sure that you, you hit that magic number to get the tax-free medical, right? If you don't, what they do is they take your retirement. Let's say your retirement check is going to be, let's call it $2,000, just an arbitrary number. Now, let's say that you haven't met that 50% number to get your medical uh, tax-free, right? Anything under that will just come out of your retirement, and that portion of your retirement check will be tax-free. Right, yeah, okay. Once you're past that number, it's a separate check that's not touched. Yeah, it's an actual disability check. Correct. I think that I know I didn't understand that for a while until I think I was talking to my father-in-law about it. Um, I just thought like if you got disability, they start paying you, but that's not, that's not how it well, works. Yeah. Right. Right. It, so a it's, portion, it's a, 
I think what you just said, right? It's a tax-free portion on your retirement pay mm-hmm. until you get to a higher percentage of, oh, we actually owe you money for being broken. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So you want to shoot for 100? Uh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, and, you know, you get a little bit here, a little bit there, and it's not like, a, oh, I got I got 50% for my ears and I got 50% for sleep apnea. So that's 100%, right? Yeah. That's not how it works. No, right. 50% for your, half of your ears are fucked up and there's 10%. Right. Well, yeah. On or the, whatever it is. On the grand scale. Yeah. And I, I guarantee you, you're going to have people blowing you up in the comments about who is this asshole you got on that can't explain all this shit properly. Sure. <laughs> but you know, um, that's something I was talking to one of my boys about, you know, trying to, a lot of people always ask me, what am I, what's my like goal of this or, um, what am I trying to do with this? And, and I find it in this kind of like a tangent, but it comes back to this specific topic right here. And it's like, well, I just want to have real conversations with people. And a lot of it for the next five years is going to be military based because that's what I'm doing for the next five years. Right. And just give them insight on what I'm doing, what the chief's mess does talk about military life and like this conversation where it's about retirement. But eventually I would like to find someone. And I, I think I know some people that do VA stuff and that can come in here and like that's that's their job that's their business that's what they do and come in here and like really kind of and not as a training because this isn't training but just be like yeah bro this is what it really is i'm retired i work there i i'm, I'm seeing people submit their packages retirees and and veterans and and this is what people are doing wrong this is what people are doing right this is my experience with it because i think that is what's really going to be helpful to people if they listen to be like, Oh shit, I didn't think about that. And really hear it from the horse's mouth. Because even though you go through TGPS or whatever, they've rebranded and called it now. I forget. Is it still TGPS? I think. Right. It was when I did it, but now it's all online. So there's no. Right. So now it's online. Well, especially now it's online. So you don't even get to talk to a person one-on-one. And then I know uh, Nikki had to go through it when she got out and you know, unfortunately, there's there's different classes for different people and ranks, and everyone should be getting the inf- same information. But if there's different classes, then you bet your ass there's probably a little bit of different information. You know what I mean? And I don't know what the information is. I haven't done it. So the way those are set up is is a the baseline information is going to be the same for everybody. Right. Right. But they call them tracks, right? So you're going to be an entrepreneur, right? You're You're that person. Yeah. So they have an entrepreneur track. Okay. For you to go down. Or they're going to have different people come in and speak to you and give you ideas and give you advice and give you guidance. Um, and it's going to be very elementary what they give you, right? But the biggest thing they're giving you is resources. Okay. Right? So uh, they have that. They have like, um, oh, man, I can't remember the names of the other tracks. But uh, like for like um, executives, right? So you're going to go down that track. Mm-hmm. So we have that information for you those resources and then we have the hey dude you're just retiring okay cool are you gonna go to school no yes okay well then we're gonna talk about this or we're gonna talk about that and then done right yeah okay it's basically just a a a data dump of resources okay that they throw at you and it it's very useful it is right um teaching you different processes and what you should or shouldn't do and how you should or shouldn't do it um but it's still up to you to get those things done and to make those calls and then to, you know, maybe they answer the phone the first time you call. Maybe you spend three weeks trying to get a hold of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it happens. I got so many emails that I'm waiting for responses to still that I, 
if I get them now, I don't care because I've already taken care of it with other people. Right. But come on, man. <laughs> Help me yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I, it's just, you know, I kind of hear horror stories sometimes. I don't want to say horror stories, just the difficult stories. And I just I always think about, like, well, when is when is the good time? A year out? Is a year out? But then you get so many people, like, a year out from retirement, they're still working. Like, working, work. You know, especially if you're shipboard, on the boat, whatever. You know, it's like, nope, we need you. It's like, no, like, you might, but I'm a year out. The, you have to put a, I think, I mean, would you tell me a year out, would you need to really start focusing on the retirement process? Without question. Yeah. A year out. And really, two years out. Okay. And if you start two years out, you can spread your stuff out enough, right, that it's not a burden on the command. Right, that it's not a burden on you, it's not a burden on your family because you can spread it out enough that, like, hey, this month, this is my goal. I want to take care of this item. Right, right. This month, there's certain things you can't take care of. Right. Until you you get until you get closer. But if you can take care of the other things prior to that, you've taken those off your plate. So, so where do you learn? Is it TGPS where you learn like what you need to take care of? Some. I mean, yes, TGPS helps, right? So, uh, what what. They taught us in uh, career counselor school a long time ago. Was I say a long time ago? A couple years ago, uh, they said uh, as soon as somebody brings up the question, right, of getting out, mm-hmm. whether it's retiring or whatever, send them to TGPS. Okay, just go because you can go as many times as the command will let you. Right, right, and every class is different. Because it's taught by different people at different locations, whatever. You might get the same, like Dave might be the same Dave you talked to in the last class, but all the other speakers are probably going to be a little different. Okay. And they're going to teach you something different, right? So uh, the sooner you can go and just experience that, and and now all of a sudden you've got this bank of questions, but you're two years out. So you got time to get answers to those questions. Right. Okay. Okay. Me, No. I waited and I waited because I I wanted to stay in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was in denial that I was getting out. Were you? Yeah. I wanted to get out. Like, let's, so like, how like afraid to get out? What, I mean, like, did were you waiting on senior chief results a little bit, but kind of not? Uh, you know, like, what do you mean, like in denial about getting out? Like, you didn't think it was going to happen, or like what, man? Like, unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So. So it's inevitable, right? Everybody's going to get out eventually. Yeah. You know, um, for me, getting out was a necessity, and I knew it was a necessity, right? And I embraced the fact that it was a necessity, but I didn't want it to be a necessity. Yeah. You know, there was still a part of me that was fighting that. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, but I, I and I, I got to make sure I say this in a way that doesn't sound like I'm blaming my kids for getting out. Yeah. But. I got a responsibility to my kids, and if I'm out at sea on a submarine where I can't communicate with them effectively on a regular basis, I cannot be there for my kids. Yeah. And I got 14, 12, and 11. Uh, all boys. Yeah, all boys. Yeah. 14-year-old is trying to find his place in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, thinks he's an alpha. He's a Charlie Plus. <laughs> right? He's not quite at that A level yet. But he thinks he's there. And, uh, you know... I think there's a lot to be said about giving direction, you know, uh, when it's needed to the kids. And yeah. Especially coming from my family, like my situation, my home situation where my wife is Chinese. Uh, she has a, a thick accent. Mm-hmm. Plus, their way of communicating with each other 
is different than the way that we do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I say that from a cultural perspective, right? Yeah. Uh, and then he's, my kids have their mom and her husband, right? Their stepdad. They got that family environment going mm-hmm. on. And uh, I, I just absolutely take ownership of that stability that I have to provide uh, for those guys. No, that's awesome. I think a lot of people, I always wonder and like look at people, um, you know, obviously senior than us, obviously in a lot longer and kind of wonder like, I think there's two types. There's one where you see them, maybe they're 04, 05, mass chiefs, senior chiefs, whatever, right? High ranking up there. And their kids are already like 18, right? They had kids young when they were seamen in third classes. Yep. And by the time they hit 20 years, you know, they were chief, senior chief, but their kids were already hitting college and going on. And so they're like, yeah, you know, the the major part of the responsibility to their kids is done and over with. So why not keep hustling, grinding, getting to the next level and and staying in? And, you know, um, I, I, I can understand that because you already kind of missed out a lot, maybe on a lot of times that you might have should have been there. Or that you you just missed out. It, yeah. It's part of the job, right? So it's just, are you kind of at that point like, fuck it, I'm just going to keep grinding and keep going. What else am I doing? They're off doing their life. But then you got other ones that are like in your place, right, or mine. Your kids are teenagers for the most part, right? And you're at the 20, and you're like, well, I could keep grinding. And, you know, they'll be, they'll figure it out. And I'll be there when I'm there, but, you know. Duty calls. Right, right, right. And, 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 you know, I think you made the right choice, most definitely. And I'm not saying the people that stay in make the wrong choice. I just don't understand how they can make that choice. To each his own, man. Everybody's, right, yeah. I just, everybody's home life is different. Everybody's yeah. got their own structure. Every, we, you and I both know the same people that I'm thinking of right now that have what I would consider to be very successful home lives. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never spent a night at their house or spent a week at their house. Yeah. I know this, yeah. right? But from what I've seen uh, in various functions where the family is there, I see kids that respect their parents, both yeah. mom and dad. Yeah. I see, you see love. Right. Right. I, I see that. And yeah. My fear is in my, my situation with the split family. Right. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to end up losing... Uh, that relationship that I have with my kids because I chose to go back out to sea for three more years. Yeah. You know, and then doing it in San Diego where I know the subs out here, their deployment schedule is no joke. And when they're not deployed, they're broken, which means they're always working. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, my hat's off to all those guys. Yeah. They're getting sure. after it. Yeah. 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 But it, even when I'd be in port, I'd be busting my ass on the pier and not. And, and do you kind of weigh that against like, obviously you do, but like, your 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 sons, mm-hmm. they're at cr- like what I would consider critical ages. Yeah, for sure. Especially 14. <laughs> yeah. Like if you take the next three or four years, quote unquote, off. I mean, like, I don't know how is it is. You, you could lose them. So I'm in. The, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that comes off the right way, but like you could lose them. A 14 year old trying to become a man, like you said, trying to be the alpha. Well, he might go try to be the alpha. And he's not ready. And he's finding trouble. And then, like you said, in your situation, their dad's not like, I mean, no way to put it. There's daddy issues now and and, and shit like that. And, you know, so. And I'd be trying to resolve it through email. 
Right. All right. When I get home, I'm gonna no. But um, <laughs> but so but again, like I don't want to, I don't want to make this seem like I don't think it's possible to have a healthy home life if you're in the Navy longer than 20 years or with yeah. teenagers. No, a lot of people do it. I and just... they do it well and they do it successfully and the kids are better for it and the parents are better for it. Like yeah. that relationship is there and I got nothing but love and, and props to those people that can do it. I don't believe that I could do that. No, I'm with you. I'm in that same, uh, no pun intended boat yeah. because, you know, my, my children being three and, and almost two, you know, I think, well, if I wanted to keep on this grind, of trying to reach the stars, like what? Yeah, we, what would their ages? We call it be? the Milky Way, by the way. Oh, do you? Yeah, um, what what ages would they be? How much life am I going to miss out? And people are like, yeah, but it's, for for myself, it's a three and three. It's not that bad. You know, I've had conversations with some nines. I'd be like, yeah, but once you get to that level, you know, you're not standing duty. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You know what the game is, you, you you know the paths, you know where the minefield is at, you know how to navigate that minefield. And all that is great, and it's spot on, and you're absolutely right. But I cannot, just myself being how invested I am, and I want to be with my family, whether it's a, a good, you know, it, it's not perfect, right? But I'm not going to let this be a chance at all for it not to be... As good as it can be. You, you don't ever want to have the question in your mind, like, what if I was here? Right. Would that have happened? Right. And, and that's exactly, you just said it, like, that's exactly where I'm at with this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm the perfect dad. Yeah, I'm no, a, I don't think, I'm yeah, damn, we're not, we're definitely not saying that. No, but I'm a damn good dad, right? Oh, we're, yeah, are we? No, okay. You don't have to. I don't, I don't give a fuck what you say. I'm a good dad, you know what I mean? And I know that. I'm not perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have my flaws. And just because I say that me being there is going to benefit my kids, uh, I don't mean that me not being there, they're just going to fall apart. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I want to make that clear too. No, no, I, I understood you. I just, like I said, I just, I look at some, I'm just like, wow, like, I don't know, I, it's like to each their own, it's not, this sounds judgy and everything, but it's just, I don't, I, I, it seems like some people make the decision easy. Like, no, I'm, yeah, of course I'm... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, I, I think that may be what it is. It's yeah. just like, yep, just re-enlist for, like, they're, they're, they're 24 years in. Yeah. They're... Uh, uh, that fucks a, me up. A fucking... Let's go with the senior chief, right? Just because you're 24, you could go to 26. Yeah. And they're like, well, I, you know, the most they could do is... Let's say they're mass chief then, right? Six more years, it takes them to 30, and they're good to go. And they got kids that are not graduated high school. You know, going into high school or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why? I, like, to me, it's like, it just seems, and again, don't, and I'm, this isn't anyone I know personally. I just don't know how you, I, I, I'd, I'd have to have the conversation with them. Like, how do you just keep doing it? Why do you keep doing it? You know, it, is the time away more valuable than the time spent at home? Is it, is, have you not sacrificed enough? Or is there, is there an end goal of, 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 monetary, you know, savings or something, you know, because all that stuff plays a factor. And, you know, like you were saying, like, um, if you're planning for retirement, you should start a year out. I'm starting five years out. Right. And not as far as just, you know, military, financially in the household. Where are we? What do we owe? What are we getting paid off? You know, no more this purchase, no more that purchase. Like, because monetarily, I want to be at a certain place. 
in those five years. And that's obviously everything paid off except the house, which is easily doable. You know what I mean? And going into a retirement of that retirement check now is just cushion. And especially for me, like I, I think I've talked to you about this. My plan totally is to be a stay at home dad. You know, the wife has a good enough job where she can support us in our location and mine would just be supplemental income, which is exactly how it's set up now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just be a little less supplemental income, yeah. you know? So I think, uh, I think there's more things that we got to add to that list of why would you stay in, right? The sense of duty, right? Some people have that. Yeah. I mean, maybe not you. Maybe not. Uh, I'm thinking of one person in particular, and I know that you you know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, that's a that's a dude that's that's in this for as long as they will allow him to be. Yeah, you know, as long as his wife will allow him to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and his wife supports him, and and they seem to be doing all right. You know what yeah. I mean. And uh, and then, but when you go back to the monetary thing, right? You're planning five years out for your retirement. There is not a regret in the world you will have for planning five years out from retirement when you get there, right? Right. When you cross that line, you're not going to be like, man, I should have just waited until I was three years out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'll never say that. No. Some people uh, don't have that financial freedom or, or ability to make that decision. Right. Yeah. Start five, five years out. I'm one of them. You know, I pay $24,000 a year in child support. Oh God. Don't tell me that, man. That's, but see, that's not even as much as some people pay. Yeah, position. but it's just, it's so much. It is a lot. It's significant. I mean, that's a big... That's Which, I mean, like, that's all, that's an, another topic you, we could definitely dive into. But, you know, I'll just say child support should go to a child account mm. with children access only. And that fucking, that kid could do whatever the fuck they want with their money. I wouldn't go that's, that far. I wouldn't go that far. I'm going, I'm going all the way. Yeah. I don't, like, and, but anyways, like, like that, that's a whole nother thing, you know, that we could get to in a minute or now or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to put it in perspective. Yeah. Like everybody's financial situation right. is different too, yes. right? Yes. So, so my wife is doing awesome right now. Um, and it's, it's going to keep getting better for her. Yeah. Right? But I've been joking around with her for shit eight months now about being a stay-at-home dad. She's not about that life. No. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, you guys haven't been married that long or together true, true, that long true. either. And she's a, she's a lot younger too. So yeah, you know what I mean. She uh, she's like, wait, hold on. Why do I got to be the one working myself? Right. You know? Yeah. Nikki and I. I mean, we, you know, we met in two thousand eight, and I've been on deployment after deployment after deployment. She's only ever really known me, you know in a workup to go on deployment oh, on yeah. deployment. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right. Even while we were dating before we got married. So it's like, you know, when we got to, you know, previous duty station, it was awesome how much I was home. And then this past year teleworking, oh, yeah. she is like, we are like, Hey, this, we are so close to really having it going to be like in five years. Like this is what's the routine. Let me practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's get up, get the kids up. You know, she gets home, between she gets home between six twenty five and six forty, yeah, usually around like six thirty six, six thirty seven, like on the dot. You know what I mean? And you know, e- either before that or shortly after that, kids are up, and then you know, before seven thirty, she's asleep. You know, because at night we're talking about night shift. You know, so zero seven thirty, she's asleep, and then I'm up. I'm with the kids. I'm doing that. So you know, especially and, and you know, going back, like I cannot. 
I could not, you know, being back at sea now in the, in the place I'm at now, I could not see myself in five years, you know, going to the career counselor. I'm like, Hey, sign me up for some more. Yeah, I'm ready to go. You know, even though, even though it would be shore duty, I cannot bank on a shore duty being as good as what I just came from. It won't. Yeah, it never is. Right. So with that being said, it's like, I, I I need to and have to have the freedom that I just felt for the last year. I need to have that. <laughs> I'm, you know we what I mean? We'll only be so lucky, Josh. If we, yeah. I mean, I guess I got it all. I'm not going to lie, though, dude. When we were on this whole lockdown stuff, working from home, yeah, and my wife had to go to work, yeah, she did some she did some teleworking too for a couple months, and then they went back, and then they went back home for like a three weeks to four weeks, and then went back to work. When she was going to work, even when she was working at home, I was getting up with her. I was making her breakfast. Yeah, like, here you go, babe. Like, yep. Hey, this is what life is like when you got a stay at home dad. Like, I'm I'm here to take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm all for that. I, I was doing the same stuff. Like I said, kids get up. Hey, let's go have breakfast. We want some eggs, some bacon, some yeah. sausage, you know, some fruit, you know, whatever. You get leftover cereal. I don't yeah. feel like breakfast this morning. I don't feel like cooking. You guys are being a little badass children. You know, just here have some snacks. Here's a chocolate bar. You know, the the whole gamut of of right. parenthood, right? But like I said, it, it was a freedom of. Wow, this is nice. I, I'm not getting up and going to work, even if it's a job that I love or despise. I don't have to go to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just my. And then you know, log. And we were still teleworking, so log on. You know, check the email, respond to emails. So I don't see myself doing anything more than that in retirement, unless I absolutely have to. And and that that doesn't mean. And I have low expectations for myself in retirement, right? I tell the wife all the time, like, okay, I only need a pool. Again, like, if you're planning five years out, and this is something I tell my sailors in anything, right? Plan your life in a five-year plan. It's kind of cliche-ish. That's not a word, but uh, it's just kind of cliche. It's so but, not, though, but it is not. It goes so fast. Right, but if you're planning the five years out, then you know, like, when you get to that fourth year going in, you know, into the last year, you know if you need to plan another five, if you're re-enlisting, if you're getting out, mm-hmm. everything is ready. And one thing I've always told Sarah is like, match up your enlistments to that five-year plan. Match your enlistments to, to duty stations, right? When when you're transferring, are you transferring to a new duty station because you just re- newly re-enlisted? Or are you transferring out? There's no overlap or extra time that you need to spend at the place you hate or love, or you don't have to go nowhere and they're like, oh, hey, by the way, you're supposed to re-enlist for these orders. So, or you're out now. And you're like, wait, what? Huh? I thought I was coming here to chill for a year or two or something. I got one for you. Or you're supposed to retire in September, but your EAOS only takes you to February. But your EAOS is only 19 years in, what, 19 years in how many months? Seven months? Oh, February. Okay, February before September. Yeah, I, I don't. I was thinking February. No. I'm an LS, so I was like September, October. Like yeah, I needed to extend for seven months, is what it was. Okay, so five months, nineteen years and five months was yeah. my EAOS. Right? Yeah. So I was. So why wasn't it matched up before? Because 
this guy. Yeah. I, I can I can blame admin. I can blame the career counselor. I can blame whoever I want. But it comes down to me, right? Yeah. Self responsibility exactly. and accountability. It comes down to me not tracking that when they when I got to this command and I signed that extension letter, I wasn't thinking like uh, PRD EAOS stuff. I was thinking I'm retiring at 20, but my PRD was that February, so I needed to extend for one month to get that full three year tour, right? Well, guess what? I extended for the month. I got the full tour. And then it was time, like, I'm talking to my detailer, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm trying to retire in September. You know, is there any chance that I can stay here for the additional few months until I retire? And he's like, yeah, but you got to extend. And I was like, well, I already got an extension on my contract. <sighs> Uh-oh. Right? So it was a paperwork shuffle, whatever. We got it done. Yeah. And then in August... When they were like, hey, so medical issue here, medical issue here. We need to resolve this. We don't have time. You're getting out in September. Yeah. Right? So what do I do? That's when you took the the extension. Right. I called everybody again. I called the the detailer, the community manager, everybody, uh, the command, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody was on board. Everybody supported. Like, luck of the draw, right? Uh, That's one thing that I've been blessed with in my career is communication with the community manager, detailer, right, and chain of command for whatever reason, it seems like they've always supported me, right? And I've been lucky that way, and uh, that's what happened here. And so, and now you're retired. Yeah. So after I give them the, the, hey, I need to extend for four months from September, right? Then the the last week of November, right after everybody comes back from the Thanksgiving stand down, mm-hmm. hey, I need everybody to sign these leave sheets. <laughs> Because now I'm going on leave after I told you guys I wasn't going on leave. Ooh. They were all about it, man. Well, I mean, we were fortunate. We are at a good command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. It, where they're very helpful because there's a lot of people there yeah. going that, that go there. To retire. To retire. You know, unfortunately, it is known as a, you know, oh, you're on a, re- that's a retirement kill your yeah. career, career killing retirement billet. But it's a great billet. And I, I, you know, I would say if it killed my career, it was totally worth it <laughs> because it secured the fact that I want to retire and, and telework or not work and yeah. just wake up and cook breakfast. You know, and, and the other part of it is, you know, we were going, we we're talking about the kid thing, right? I look at my kids and they're adults in, in the Navy. Everyone's an adult in the Navy, but they're a kid sailor. Right. Yeah. Um, just new. And, and you got to raise them. Right. I, I often when I talk about people like my, my sea daddy, which I might not be a good term, but my mentor. Right. And you, it's appropriate. Yeah. He, yeah. Who raised me in the Navy. Yeah. Right. Because they showed me the ropes. They, they took me under the wing. Do this. Don't do that. Yep. This is what you should be looking for. All that stuff. Right. He mentored me. And, and that's great. And the mentor relationship is great. Everyone should have a mentor plug. But what's not great and what's tiring is raising kids that are in the Navy. And by kid, I mean, like, you're not mentoring them. You're making sure they're taking showers. It, it, it happens. It happens. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm waiting for you to be done because I got some, I want to just jump so, in on this. And, and, and that's not everyone, but it's like making sure, it's just... Throw something out there, and it's going to stick, right? 
well, well, you got you can't drive on base. Why can't you drive on base? Well, because I got pulled over by base police because I was speeding and I don't have insurance and my car's not registered. What adult doesn't do that? <laughs> so what what do you need from me? Well, now we got to go to you know court on on base and we got to get dressed up and damn and look, I'm gonna do it because that's part of the job. That's part of the you know yes part of wearing the anchor yes. And I, I'm going to defend you. And they won't do it again. We're getting it squared away. But I'm going to look at you like, what are we doing? Are, are we going to be grown-ups or not? Are, are, did you come here to be a grown-up? Right, right, right. Or, or do I need to be your father? Your yeah. yeah, because it's and that is what, to me, and I'm not saying it's a lot of people. You know, it's not. I, and honestly, I've never had to do that exact thing. But it's just things that revolve around that, and I think everyone's picking up what I'm putting down, right? That's just like, I look at my kids, and I'm like, my own kids, right, only at three and two and almost two, they need lessons. And I can't be expending all my energy anymore, right, at at 20 years, after 20 years, up to 20 years, I'm for it. Right. I got five more. You're going to get all of it and you're not going to like it most of the time. Right. But after that, I can't expend any more energy. Raising other people's kids. Mentoring them. Hit me up anytime. I'm here for you. But mentoring is like you're already getting it. You know, we're we're tuning it. And I think you I think, you know what I'm saying by raising. Right. And it's not a derogatory thing. It's just like like you're missing some of the stuff. And it's unfortunate from wherever you came from that you're missing some of these things, but I don't have the energy personally after 20 years to keep going towards that. And I would be doing you the sailor disservice because that's where I think you get a lot of the, the chiefs that are, they're tired of it too, but they're still doing the job, but they don't want to do that job anymore because they're tired of it. So what do we do instead? Well, we're going to send you a DRB because I don't have the energy to fuck with you no more. I don't have the energy to raise you no more and, and help you with this and help you with that and all that. So I'm just going to send you to DRB and we're just going to, we're going to go disciplinary route on your ass the whole way. What is that teaching them? It doesn't teach them nothing. It doesn't help them out, right? It doesn't grow them any. So if you're not willing to stay past that 20 and help them continue to grow and raise them, then I think you, you should pull chocks and, and, and go. And that's for me, like, so it's just like, I, I can't, I need to have all my energy and focus into my kids so my kids can be good little people in society and then, you know, grown people in society. I want to say two things real quick, two things. So the first one is there was nothing that made my day uh, in the Navy, right? Uh, nothing that made my day in the Navy more than talking to a junior sailor, a kid, right? As you, as you say it, right? Just a, a young kid, like maybe his second tour, right? Maybe his first tour, uh, but a younger, younger sailor and telling them something that was so like, for me, second nature, like this was not thought provoking at all. You asked me a question, I answered the question and seeing their eyes light up like, holy shit, you just solved my problem. Like, this is what I got to do. Right. I love that. I love mentoring. I love training. Right. I love teaching that stuff. Yeah, we should. Here's what I think is the problem with that sea dad program that we have in the Navy. Right? Or, do females call it sea mom? She's my sea mom. Well, uh, I don't know. So I, I think I've heard it. Like, that's, sea, your that's your sea mom. Yeah. Okay. All right. So whatever. That first mentor. Right. Because that's what it should be. That first person should be 
a mentor, right? It shouldn't be that sailor that you just like, you know, this dude's a piece of shit anyway. I can have him run around or her run around and get all these check-ins done and, and knock that out and get the rack set up for the sailor or whatever. It should be one of the hot runners, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the hot runners because that's the person that's going to be on that. If that's that... If that, if that is the first relationship that that new sailor establishes is with somebody that's doing it right, right, and that's the involvement they get, hey, we got to get this done because we got to go here. We got to get that done because I got to go to this meeting. As soon as I get done with this meeting, I'm going to take you over here. We'll get that knocked out, right? And they're like, oh, man. This, this dude's is, on it. Yeah, this is some hard wow. charging shit. This second class looks like fucking God. But instead, what we end up doing is we're like, hey, you. You're so-and-so's sponsor or sea dad or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah, Go grab him from the quarter deck. Right. Fucking so show him. Goes and gets him from the quarter deck, and he's like, hey, let's go to the smoke pit real quick. You smoke? No? Okay, well, I do, so come out here with me for a little bit, right? Like, you know what I mean? So then no, they yeah, go to the yeah, smoke pit. Yeah. Sea bag on and everything. He's smoking a cigarette. Then they get done. He's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop by the ship store real quick. I want to grab a, a Starbucks little Frappuccino or whatever. And then they get back up to the shop, right? And then, oh, chief, here's so-and-so. All right, go take him to admin and get him checked in. All right, hey, let's go to the smoke pit again real quick, and then I'll take you over to admin. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the the, sa- the new sailor is like... So we spend all our time in the smoke pit? Yeah, so apparently it's a game of hide-and-seek, and you're right. pretty good at it. Yeah. So I'm going to latch on to this. Yeah. And, and you'll have the few that'll be like, nah, fuck that, I got to go get checked in because... Those are the type of people they are. that they are. Right? Yeah. But the other ones that are lost, right, that spent, you've had these sailors, I've had plenty of these sailors, right, and, and plenty of people listening to this podcast have had these sailors. The kids that grew up, I don't know what they were doing. Maybe it was gaming. I got nothing against gaming. I got nothing against any of the other geek stuff or nerd stuff, whatever <laughs> you're doing, right? I got nothing against that at all. What I'm trying to say is they come there and they don't have that uh, ability to take charge of their own path, right? Right. To say, like, hey, I'm not going to the smoke pit. Chief said I need to go get checked in. I'll go to admin myself. You go to the smoke pit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe I'll tell Chief. Maybe I won't. Well, I, I don't think, I, you know, it doesn't even have to be the nerd shit. It's just, I think we're all maybe a little bit like that. I know when I got to my first, when I got to my first shit, right, I'd already been in three years, second class. I just found out on the way there, right? I made it, whatever. It doesn't matter. I got to the ship at like fucking three in the morning and they, they took me down to the S one and they're like, Hey, stay here. I was like, okay. Yeah. I don't I, I'm brand new ship. It's on deployment. I just flew for like two days from Hawaii getting to fucking Crete, yeah. Greece. You know what I mean? Uh, like before you had to go to Greece. Yeah. It was, it was chill. You know, so we get to, we get to Crete or whatever and they just they just threw me down to S1. And I was just there like, okay, I'm here. I don't know what time of day it is. I don't know what day it is. No clue. No clue. So you know, I sat down in the chair and I took a nap until the LPO of second class comes down. I was like, oh, hey, you're the new, uh, you're the new second class. You're more? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to be back when uh, they open up the galley. Just stay here. And this is, bro, this wasn't even the worst part. Let me back up. I get to Hawaii from Norfolk, right? I was in Norfolk. I fly into Hawaii. I had a postal school en route there in Hawaii, right? I land. 
I call up my um, first class. Uh, his name was SK1 Unfreed. Okay. Nasty mustache, bald individual. Okay. And I'm like, hey, um, you know, it's Petty Officer Moore. Uh, I just touched down in at the airport. Uh, I'm here. I'm at gate this, you know, uh, w- you know, what, are you going to come pick me up? Are you in route? Like whatever, right? Like I'm here. Yeah. Okay. What's my status? What's my situation? Yeah. And he's like, who's this? Uh, it's uh SK three more. Um, yeah, I'm here. I'm the, I'm the new check-in. Yeah. He was like, I didn't know you were coming in today. I was like, uh-huh. Okay. So are you coming to pick? Well, I'm at home. I don't even live anywhere near the airport. I'm like, so at this one, I'm like, okay, so you're not, well, I'd I, I have to find a vehicle. Okay, cool. Don't worry about SK1. Click. Like, already at 100. I'm like, what the fuck, man? You didn't know I was coming in? I've sent you emails when I was on leave letting you know the whole itinerary. I've emailed you my itinerary. Right. So let's not play stupid. Right. And the fact that you're at the airport and you called them now, it's, it's not time to be like, wait, you're here. Right. No. Yeah. I'm fucking here. That's why I called you. Asshole. Yes. So, you know, uh, several years later now, you know, 12 years later, the correct answer is I'm fucking in route. Yeah. Stand by. It might take me a minute to get there. I'm, I'm I live wherever I live. I'm 40 minutes, whatever. Um, I'm in route. Right. Um, I hung up. Don't worry about it, dude. Okay. I had the point of contact for the schoolhouse that was there at the time on Ford Island. I call up the senior chief. I believe it was the senior chief. Hey, senior. SK3 more. I just touched down. And uh, my SK1 doesn't know what's going on. I need a ride. I, you know, or what do I do? Stand by, shipmate. Be right there. Yep. Fucking rolls up in his little rinky-dink, you know, Hawaii Island beater car. Throws my shit in. Hey, welcome to Hawaii. Fucking boom. Takes me. By that time, I'm like still calling the SK-1. He's like, hey, you know, I- I'm in the government vehicle. I can meet you over. You've never been in. You've been to Hawaii. I've been there. Not familiar. I, yeah, no, no, so no. he's like, hey, I'm over uh, by TPU. Tell tell whoever you're with to meet me at TPU. Right? I'm like, okay. Don't know what TPU is, right? Because I'm, I'm not the brightest. Right, right, right. And uh, I roll up. this like Say a that whole, again, though. You're not the what? Huh? You brightest. You're not the brightest. Yeah. Okay. So we roll up and I'm with this chief and this chief is asking me like, yo, like you're asking one, like he didn't know this and that. He's like, I was like, look, chief, senior chief, whoever. Well, I forget exactly. I forget his name too. Wish I remember you it. Starstruck. Yeah. And I was like, um, I don't know, man. Like he just said he was at home. Uh, he wants us to meet him here at TPU. He's like, I know where it's at. So we pull up the first image of my LPO that got left behind for shore debt or beach debt on a destroyer, okay, is him in the uh, sitting on the tailgate of a, a govy little S10. Tailgate down, him sitting on it, cross-legged, book in one hand, cigarette in the other, cup of coffee next to him. Sitting there, smoking and reading. And the, the the chief, he's like, is this the guy? I don't know, never seen him. I was like, I guess so. So he's sitting there, and the chief gets out. He's like, stay here. Like, okay. <laughs> he goes, and he's like, 
Is it SK-1? Did SK-1 know that Senior Chief was the one driving you around? No. Okay. <laughs> I just told him, like, I, you know, I was just like, hey, yeah. Well, I'm probably, I think I told him, like, don't worry about it. Senior from the schoolhouse got me. Whatever. Yeah. And. He clearly didn't put that two and two together. I guess. So, Senior gets out, walks over to him, and is like, hey. Uh, he was like, hey, come here for a minute. Get, get off the truck. You know what I mean? And they walked to the other side of the truck, like out of kind of earshot. And uh, I could see the SK-1 like, kind of pop to attention a little bit. And I see Senior kind of giving it to him. Can't really hear it or anything, but I see it given to him. And then he gives me the signal to go ahead and get out. And he's like, hey, so he's t- now I'm there. And he's like, what, you, what are your plans with the SK-3? You know, while he's here for the two weeks that he's in school. SK-1 was like, well, I'm just going to put him in TPU here. And he's like, so you got this brand new sailor, new to the island, and that was your plan, just to stick him in TPU, where we all know what TPU, like TPU just... Yeah, it's all the people getting kicked out. Right. Or that, or just, and it's transient, but they use you, especially back then, they'll use you for working parties, they'll use you for that, whatever. He's like... I shouldn't say getting kicked out, that was, that was fucked up. Getting kicked out or, or getting separated. Right. Or, or separating. And, and, right. Hawaii, and, and the senior's just like, no. Why would you do that? And so uh, I think I stayed there one night and then senior the next day picked me up again and took me over to Arizona Hall. And I was like, you'll be staying here. And then they got me a room there in, in the Utah Hall, but like in the BQ. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and then you could just claim it all on your fog, on your travel claim. He's like, can, can you can you like pay for it? Right, right, right. I was like, yeah, I could pay for it. He's like, all right, then claim it on your travel claim when you get to the ship. Awesome. Now I got a room, me, myself, you know, and, and all that business instead of, t- man. Right, right, right. So here's, and it's kind of going to in a sponsorship thing. Man, I, for the next three years I was on that shit, me and SK1 had problems. The, no. the, the I shit you not. You I know. Big surprise. Oh, I gave him some <laughs> training a couple different times. A couple different I times. I bet, I bet. Um, we almost fought once. Yeah, like one time, we, like I, I, I had enough. He, he was. Uh, we're doing a trash offload, right? And we're out on the flight deck. And uh, damn, I don't think anyone will, will remember. Maybe I got a couple of people that might remember this. We're doing trash offload at all the whole ship. You know, lined up, fucking taking it out of the fucking after airlock, and uh, it's trash. So you need to stand close enough mm-hmm. to hand it to the fucking person. Even on submarines, we do this. So I know what you're oh, talking about. Okay, okay. Well, I didn't know. Yeah. But so, and I'm like, hey, SK-1, could you scoot a little bit closer? So, because you're kind of like throwing it at my feet. And he was like, no, you're fine. I was like, no, like, I'm I'm at my limit over here. Like, we need to stretch the line out mm-hmm. towards the trash right, barge. Right, right. And no. And then he like grabs it the bag and like throws it at me and like hits my leg. And I was like, are you fucking serious right now? Like, are you really throwing trash at me? And he was like, we'll catch it. And like, I was like, Oh my God. Hold so on, I was like, yo, put my book and cigarette <laughs> down real quick. Let's yeah. talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, a hot-headed second class. I was, you know. I, I, was, I don't believe it. I, most people don't. I, yeah, I don't believe it. I knew everything, <laughs> you know. And um, he didn't know shit, you know. But I was just like, what are you, what, like, dude, the fuck? And he did, like, twice. I was like, do a fucking, like, of course, you know, do it again, motherfucker. And he did it again. He, he listened. Good. 
And I was in his shit, like, fucking, boom, chest to chest, fucking losing my mind. Because right. to me, it's like, that's yeah, yeah. It's mad disrespectful, okay? Like... It doesn't matter if it was, like, brand new linen that was all soft and fluffy, downy fresh, like, you're throwing shit at somebody. Right. We're not friends, like... Yeah. Don't... Yeah. And the, the, the fucking M.A. Uh, M.A. one Tarver, I remember his big, big old brother, like, huge, big guy, right? He like just whoop, just got me up by my coveralls and was like, come here. And just kind of like carried me away. I was like, yo, chill, man. He's like the seam. See, he's right there. The whole triad was up on the aft missile deck looking at the line. I was like, I don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. This dude's throwing trash at me. I'm going to beat his ass right now. Right. And he's like, no, that's just, you know, he took me, walked me away. I was like, I was livid. Hey, did he take you to the smoke pit? No. Um, <laughs> He took me back inside. He told me to just go downstairs to the office. And I went down there and I talked to my senior chief. I was like, I'm like, I was doing like that shaking mad, you know, like almost tears coming down my eyes. Cause like, if he comes down here right now, senior, I'm gonna beat the shit out of him. Right. I'm telling you right now, this motherfucker was throwing nasty, sloppy, juicy. And we all know what trash is underway. That's right. been sitting down in the fucking right. um, waiting for the barge. To yeah. Come. Waiting for the barge. I was like, Look, like you can see the shit on my coveralls, and I was like, "No, I'm not." And you know, he talked me off the ledge a bit. And um, after that, it's just like, like, don't fucking talk to me. Don't do nothing. Like, I, I, I want no interaction with you at all. Yeah, right. Because we we are like you're at the dead to me part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it all stemmed all the way back, right, to him being my sponsor, supposedly, supposedly, you know, having my best interest and putting me on, you know, and. and I'll never, and I haven't told this story in a long time. And like, they're like cross-legged, yeah. coffee cup, book, cigarette. And he had no intention, no intention of dealing with you. No. He was like, I'm going to drop him off at TPU. I'm getting the fuck back home. So, so I'll expand even more on this. So then the next day he picks me up or whatever. He tells me he'll be here or there, whatever time. I, I'm, my school hasn't started yet. It doesn't start for like a week. So I got a week of just like. Supposedly, like, going with him, right? And he'd been kicked out a couple places where he was supposed to be doing his beach debt already because he did not vibe well with people. So he was in the post office now there uh, in Hawaii, and they kind of just put up with him. And then he was like, here, you could just work here for, like, the week because we're putting together um, we're putting together uh, big old tri-wall packages of... You ever done, like, the shoebox raffles where the... Okay, yeah. So we're putting those together to ship out and everything. And the little S10 can't hold that triwall. Well, he could, but he's got like two. So he pulls up in this like uh, late 90s model Dodge Ram. I was like, oh, you know, I'm not a Dodge guy. I'm a Chevy guy, but, you know, decent truck, I guess. It's always not mine. I was like, oh, okay. Like, you're borrowing? Like, who's his? No, it's a, it's a semen, uh, Hawth- what was it? Hen- Hawthorne. Hinthorne? It was a sailor. Yeah. One of the SKs on the yeah. ship. It's his. Uh he told me look for look out for it uh, look look out look out right. for it while he was on deployment and I'm here. I was like, so you're driving a Siemens truck around doing government business doing work. He's like, yeah, he said I could borrow it. I was like, oh, okay. I, I never knew the kid. I, I hadn't met the kid yet. Yeah, and I was like, that's that's um, I know I wouldn't be letting anyone drive my truck. I know that this is weird. So what he would do, like in Hawaii, you could take the, uh, from Eva Beach, you could take the um, the little ferry, right? From Eva Beach, you could take the ferry to Pearl Harbor. 
and there's a couple different landing spots or something. So he would just go over to the Air, uh, Air Force side and go park it along the beach over there when he was done with it. Like it wasn't a storage area. It was just like a beach area. And then the next day he'd like get it and go move it somewhere else and they go park it back over there. And so then fast forward like another four months, we get back from deployment. Oh, Hinthorn, I think it was Hinthorn, is pissed. His truck has got like a couple extra thousand miles on it, which is kind of hard to do on, on Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, in on Oahu, you know. So this dude was using his truck the whole six months, driving it around, using it for work, smoking in it, just uh. all kinds of Hinthorn wasn't a smoker, just all kinds of shit. Then you're like windows down smoking, but like it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. And and uh I, was, I think I, I probably snitched it a little bit, too. I was like, hey, you know, old dude's, like, using your truck, right? He was like, what? I was like, yeah. I mean, he was like, I just told him what, what I saw for those days. Yeah, he was putting trowels in it and delivering, and I don't know what else he's been doing, but you might want to hit him up. And um, like I said, we got back, and he was pissed. He's like, dude, my fucking truck is dirty. It stinks. It is not being, like, it wasn't maintained. And he, it wasn't supposed to be, it was just supposed to be kind of left, maybe started up. And like that's it, but if you show back up after a six month deployment, and it's got an extra couple thousand miles on it. What the fuck? Mm. When you live on an island, when you live on an island, yeah, yeah, it was man. That see, has to do with somebody else. But see, Seaman Hinthorn also had a shitty sponsor, and it probably was SK One, right? Probably, yeah, probably like, was man, because I, at the time the chief was like, okay, he's useless. I'm going to have him take care of all the new guys. Yeah, right. So I can worry about the real shit. Yeah. Because I got to do his job because he can't do it. Well, you know and I mean? mean, what does it say when you're first class is the on a destroyer gets left behind for the beach debt? And there, I guess there were some other uh, uh, circumstances surrounding that, but it's still, it's just like, wow, okay, yeah, well. So I don't know what it says because I've never been on a destroyer, right? Yeah. I, I can imagine based on what you're saying, right? But the biggest thing is, is like, that dude should not be responsible for introducing the ship to that sailor. Right. Whoever he or she is. Yo, in 2010, uh, I had just finished a, a big uh, C school, A school thing, right? So it was like 10 months, whatever. Cool. Of A school, C school. It was awesome. I did a lot of golf. I learned a lot of stuff. Oh, my God. In school. Uh, but anyway, I had a great time in school, whatever. I also had some, some serious uh, Navy issues, um, but that's not that's not for right now. What I'm trying to get at is, after all this school happened, I went to the squadron, right? Because I got orders to a, a boat, and it was already out to sea. It was deployed on Westpac, um, so they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with this, like a holding holding cell or a unit, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> right? So so we're doing that, and then uh, they say, hey, next week, next week, you guys are flying out to Manila. You're going to meet the boat. In the Philippines. I'm like, fuck, I've never been in the Philippines. I've been on a boomer my whole career. You know what I mean? The only thing we did was Washington, Hawaii, Washington. You know what I mean? Uh, so so fast forward this week, uh, everything is set. They gave us some boat numbers um, before we left. The boat hadn't pulled in yet before we, we took off on our flight. You know, so they were just like, uh, it's me and, and f- five other guys. So it was two cooks that just got out of Cook A School, CSA School. Uh, there was uh, two nukes that just got out of staff pickup duty. So they never been out to sea. They never been deployed. Mm-hmm. They went from through their little pipeline. Is, is this your second boat? This is my second one. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So I was a first class at the time. Okay, okay, okay. Um, 
but I was I was the senior dude in the group. Yeah. And I'm traveling with some guys that are older, right? They're not kids, right? And they're first classes, but they've never been deployed. They've never been out to sea. Um, they got the staff pickup, nuke school, first class, like, here you go type of thing. And then uh, all these, we call them on the, well, shit, we used to call them nubs, right? Just everybody was a non-qual except for myself. And these guys were just fresh out of A school. So uh, we fly out to the Philippines and we get there. And I was expecting, for some stupid reason, a duty van to be at Manila Airport picking us up. <laughs> right? Well, that was fucking dumb. Because we sat out there for an hour and didn't see anything that resembled anything U.S. Navy. Yeah. So I was like, well, let me see if any of these phone numbers work yet. So I'm trying to use the pay phones. I'm trying to use the pay phones. I can't get them to work. I don't know if I'm dialing the country codes wrong or something, but yeah. I'm doing something wrong. And uh, this this Filipino guy, he was a retired senior chief. Um he comes over and he's like, hey, where are, you guys, where are you guys headed? And I'm like, we're trying to go to Subic Bay. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you know, that's like four and a half, five hours away yeah. from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, what? I was like, look, the big thing is I'm just trying to call the, the boat. Yeah. He's like, you want to use my cell phone? I was like, yes, sir, please, please. So he lets me use his cell phone. I call the boat. The number I dial just happened to be the chief scores. Right? So Chief Blank answers the phone, right? And he's like, uh, USS, whatever, right? Chief so-and-so, how can I help you? And I was like, yeah, this is Petty Officer Easley. You know, I'm, I'm at the Manila Airport. Uh, I'm here with five other sailors. We're ready to get picked up. And he's like, what? Who the fuck is this? And I was like, this is Petty Officer so-and-so. You know, I'm at Manila Airport. Uh, I'm here with, and I listed off the names. I was like, we're just ready to get picked up. And he's like, we can't do that. Like, we don't have duty vans. I was like, well, how are we supposed to get to the boat? He's like, well, I don't know. Hold on a minute. <laughs> I don't right. know. But so they're in port. They're, they're in port, Subic Bay. Okay, right? okay. Uh, so he puts me on hold, and I'm like, sorry, he just put me on hold. Like, can you please let me use this for just, I just got to get some direction. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So this other chief gets on the phone. And uh, he's the, the navigation, we call him the Navigation Operations Department Enlisted Advisor. So he's our Nav Ops Department Chief. Yeah. We call him the NODIA. Um, but anyway, he says, uh, he says, hey, uh, Easley? Yeah, yeah. Who are you? I told him, right? I'm like, look, we're here not because we want to be. The Navy gave us orders. They gave us plane <laughs> tickets. We flew here. We're in Manila. Like, there's no turning back. We don't have a return flight. You are our return flight home. Right, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> underwater on a submarine. So he's like, well, you're going to have to take public transportation. What? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So I hung up. Like, I hung up because I was pissed. Gave the dude his phone back. Thanked him very much, right? All that. And then we, I just sat there. And all these, these kids, I, I call them kids, but whatever. These kids were looking at me like, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yet. So, like, another, like, 45 minutes goes by, and I get another retired dude that gives me his cell phone, uh, says, go ahead and call Subic. So I called the chief's quarters again. Now the chief of the guard answers the phone. Uh, this is a dude that I would love to tell stories about for the rest of my life. But he's like, who's this? Petty Officer Easley, you know, this is what we're doing. We're here. We've been here for, like, two and a half hours now. We're just trying to get there, right, because you're our ride back to America. Like, uh, 
Well, nobody, I like how you're like, you're on ride back to America. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody told us you were coming. I was like, well, that doesn't negate the fact that we're here. Yeah. We have orders to yeah. ride you back to America. Like, that's how we're supposed to get there. And he's like, well, you're going to have to take public transportation. I was like, fuck. I hung up the phone. Whatever. We go outside. None of the kids have cash except for me. I had 230 bucks. One dude had 20 bucks. One dude had 15 bucks. Yeah, I always carry cash. Well, so that's why I had 200 on me. At right, the time. yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you, by then in your career, you, right. you've learned and known this. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm trying to like hail a cab, and they're all like 500 bucks, like 450. Ooh. And I'm just like, God, dude, we're going to, like, there's, we can't do it. We don't have the money to do it right now with us. Um, so I, I go to ask this cop that was there. And this cop says, uh, says, you know, what are you doing? I like, we're trying to get a ride to Subic Bay. And he's like, no. And he just like shuns me off. I was like, what the fuck? Come on. What, what are you asking for then? <laughs> what, what <are> you- <laughs> this other cop sees this and comes over and he's like, what are you guys doing here? Like, we're trying to get to Subic Bay. And he's like, all right, come with me. I was like, oh, fuck, everybody, come on, let's go. So we walk around this, this side, and he yells across, like, this driveway area, Mike, get over here. So Mike comes over, and he's like, you need to take these guys to Subic Bay. How much? And he's like, like 350 or 400 He's like, no, you take them for 250 And he was like, I'll take them for 200 I was like, oh. Deal. Yeah, fucking sold. <laughs> like, let's go. Yeah. Well, this dude was on the end of his 24-hour shift. When he started that four and a half hour drive to Zubik oh, Bay. Oh, shit. Anyway, we made it to the ship, uh, or the boat, like hours later, right? Yeah. So we get there, and we're at the pier, and now the gate guards won't let us through the gate. Right? Why not? Because they didn't know that we were coming, and they don't know who we are. You got ID, right? We got ID, we got orders. Orders, everything. We got our sea bags. But you're, right? you guys are infiltrators. So the chief, the chief of the guard comes through. Yeah. And he opens the gate. to. What time of day is this? This is at night. This is like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, he opens up the gate, and he's talking talking to me. And uh, I was like, yeah, so we're here. We're home. Like, that's my home. I'm, I'm a new resident. <laughs> right? <laughs> and we need a rack because we've been flying for the last two days. Like, yeah. we need a rack. Hook us up. He's like, I can't let you guys on the pier. Like, I don't. Nobody knew you guys were coming. I was like, I called you four and a half hours ago to tell you we were coming. And you knew we were coming. I got orders here. Showed them the orders. I said, every one of these guys has orders. Yeah. They all have our plane tickets, our itineraries, everything like that. We came from Squadron. Go get a fucking admin chief There's or something. Goddamn. Me- so the admin dude was on watch. The admin chief was out in town getting fucked up. Yeah. Okay. So we, uh, so this guy's like, well, I can't let you on the pier. I was like, okay, here's the deal. I'm fucking tired. I'm going on the boat. He's like, you can't do that. I grabbed my sea bag. I was like, you guys can follow me or you can sleep out here. And I just started walking. And I got to the pier and the petty officer of the deck was the admin LPO. Uh-huh. And uh, chief is fucking kind of like trotting after me. Like, you can't do that. You better not cross that brow. Petty officer of the deck was like, it's all good, chief. Shut the fuck up. I got him. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. So I know who I'm dealing with. You know what I mean? Like, I know who I'm dealing with. And the yeah. chief was like, you can't talk to me like that. He's like, you guys, come on board. <laughs> Don't worry about him. <laughs> <laughs> Did he know who you guys were? Was I like finally the person? Yeah. The admin. He's a second class. But he finally knew who you guys were and he everything. Really and yeah. like, I got racks set up for you guys already down there. Like, you guys are good to go. I'm on watch. So, so I you're, the chief of the guard, was he also like the section leader? Was this just like a, he was a the complete? Chief of the guard. He wasn't the section leader. Okay. So he wasn't doing a very good job of standing his watch. 
I think that he was trying to, but at the same time, he understood that we had orders and everything. So yeah, I don't like. I don't know. That's that's weird. So it's a funny story, but that's just all on. fucking. It gets better, and then it'll end real quick. <laughs> so the next morning, I hear this this rumbling down the the P way for where we're birthing right now. Yeah. And it's, get the fuck out of the wreck. All you fucking bitches, get the fuck up. It's time to go to work. And I recognized the voice. And I was like, who the fuck is that? Like, I'm in a daze. You know what I mean? Like, I'm half awake, half yeah. asleep. I hop out of the wreck. And he's like, empty your fucking sea bags. Get dressed. It's time to go to work. And I turn around and I see it's one of my boys, right, from my last boat. Okay, 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 okay. And he's a chief now, right? Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, shit. What's up, dude? Like, oh, my God. I, yeah. I was here by yeah. myself. He's like. Oh, easy. I was hoping it was you. He's like, the captain wants to see you on the pier right now. He's like, you need to get in uniform. I was like, nope, not doing it. Because I'm not sleeping here. And I don't want to unpack all my shit just to fucking move it down there. Yeah. Right? He's like, yeah, that's cool. Let's go. So we walked across the brow, went and shook my hand, uh, shook hands with the captain, Fullbird, right? <laughs> Usually they're commanders. <laughs> Check us out, dude. I'm in civilian clothes. And the captain's like, you're Petty Officer Easy? I say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's like, uh, well, I wanted to thank you for getting all the sailors here and yourself. You know, you did a good job. I appreciate you doing what you did to get everybody here. Uh, I said, sir, no problem. I said two things. I'm not used to accepting awards in civilian clothes. Uh, and then two, it cost me 250 bucks. <laughs> the captain looked at me like I was on some shit. My buddy is standing behind me like, you shut the fuck up. Are you fucking kidding me? I was like, you ever gotten an award in civilian clothes? I haven't. But I'm standing by, sir. <laughs> he's like, hey, officer, usually if you want to use the sat phone to call home and tell him you're here, you can do that. And I was like, thank you, sir. That's all I needed. <laughs> hey, with that, uh, yeah, I think we're going to wrap this up, man. Thanks for stopping by. And uh, we'll see you soon again, bro. All right. Love Take you, care.